0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Politics. All right. Tonight, we're going to discuss the turtle snapping back at President Trump, the Republicans are in disarray, and Inauguration Day is upon us. But before we go into some of that, um, I'm going to introduce a new segment called News You Can Use, But You Really Can't. Yesterday, on MLK Day, BLM activists decided to twerk on the Martin Luther King statue in Washington, D.C. And I must say, this would be normally so embarrassing, so shameful, so ridiculous— to do this, you know, the desecrate, the memory of Dr. King by just showing such disrespect. But no, they're paying homage and honor to him. And according to what they, I guess they posted on Instagram, they made the case for why they do what they did. And they said, I'm quoting from their Instagram post, twerk on washington is a declaration of freedom in healing advocating for the decolonization of oversexualizing black women's bodies which all these rap producers do anyway i'm putting that as my own quotation to reclaim an ancient sacred of dances of liberation on uh, liberal liberalism and wellness sampling the i have a dream A wonderful, timeless speech with this nonsense that they're doing, I might add, delivered from the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. The shame of traditional African practices is not ours. Trauma is kept in the body. Shake it off and twerk, 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 twerk. They didn't say all the twerk I just did, but I had to add a little bit. Today, the Black Lives Matter Global Network launches its newest arts and cultural endeavor, the MLK Art Series, celebrating life, love, joy, peace, rest, and pleasure. Yeah, culture built on pleasure. Is a, that's a disaster in of itself, but that's another aside. Following the launch of the USPS campaign, God. The U.S. Post Office has to be involved in this horse nonsense. Write Black Love Letters. The creative and curatorial team of Patrice Colors and Noni Limmer deliver a new series of works that focus on black life and how MLK's life has inspired us all to live. I'm going to get to that in a minute. The new series will live on in the BLM website and Instagram in celebration of King's influence and achievements as blah, blah, blah. Then they go on to recite their diatribe against the attack against the 117th Congress, U.S. Congress set 117th U.S. Congress carried out by a mob of white supremacists was in direct attempt to overturn Trump's defeat uh, false defeat in the election I might add, a direct assault on our right to vote in democracy. What? I gotta stop, stop the tape. In th- Although they've amended, I believe, their website, BLM, one of their, they had basically a communist manifesto. They said they're trained Marxist. Since when do you care about the right to vote in democracy? When does BLM or Antifa care about that? I mean, this right here is extraordinarily disingenuous and phony. I go on. We need to uplift our community right now, really by twerking on MLK statue. And these artists have been curating as love as a focal point of their work in which love brings healing and the ability to rejoice and continue the necessary work to move forward as a people. (sighs) Hashtag MLK hashtag radical King hashtag twerk, twerk, twerk. I added that part, but they might as well put it on there. This is ridiculous. This is, you know, Dr. King, you know, famously said that he wanted his children and really all people to be judged by the content of their care, not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Right. But no. We must be judged by. Our skin color, not how foolish we act. Interesting. Wow. Speaking of MLK. I had adopted um, a philosophy in the most simple form, of course, of Morgan Freeman. Years ago, he had an interview with the famous Mike Wallace of 60 Minutes who loved to grill conservatives and, you know, crack them any way he could. He was a good interviewer, but he was a liberal bent, an angry liberal, you know. Anyway, he's interviewing Ma- Morgan Freeman. They're talking about... the the race issue and black history month and so on. And he says, what, what do you think we should do about racism? You know, like really inquisitive and, and how do we solve the problem on race to which Morgan Freeman in his own style goes, stop talking about it. And of course, Morgan Freeman was dumbfounded. He was what he was, yeah, stop talking about it. He goes, and then Morgan Freeman shoots back at him again. He goes, um, "Do you have um, a Jewish history history month?" He goes, "Well, no." He goes, "Do you want one?" And and Mike Wallace said, "No." And he goes, "Well, I don't want a Black History Month either." He goes, "We just have to stop talking about race, stop making it such a focal point." And then right now, it's the antithesis of whatever everybody's doing right now with BLM and all these diversity seminars and critical race theory and social justice and so on and so forth. They they're heading in the opposite direction. In fact, some of these places they're calling for segregation now where blacks want to be segregated, reverting to the very thing that used to be condemned when whites did it for decades, which by the way, is another byproduct of the democratic party, but that's another subject. Actually, it's a related subject. Founders of the Ku Klux Klan, Jim Crow laws, segregation, poll taxes, whatnot. All Democrats, but that's okay. The party switched. Uh, No, they didn't. 1,600 representatives. Dinesh D'Souza studied this. Did a YouTube video showing there were 1,600 members of Congress. And only two of those segregationalist Democrats switched to Republicans. Two. The big switch is a myth. Anyway, I had to get sidetracked on that. Uh, yesterday, I am making up for lost time because I wasn't commenting on Dr. King then. All right. So that's the answer to a lot of things is to diminish race. Kind of like Galatians 3.28, there is no Jew or Greek. And in today's vernacular, we can say black or white, Hispanic, brown, yellow, red, whatever shade you have. There is none of that. We're all supposed to be one as Christians, if you're a Christian, in Christ Jesus. That's the beauty of Christianity. It diminishes all that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't look at and says there's a black church, there's a white church, there's a Hispanic church, an Asian church, a Native American church. No. There is no Jew or Greek. There is no slave or free. There is no male or female, but all are one in Christ Jesus. Case closed. Thank you very much. All right, on to the next topic. (laughs) So we're going to talk about what is going on between the rift between conservatives, Trump supporters, I'm going to combine those two groups, and the establishment Republicans. Mitch McConnell today went up on the Senate floor. They resumed business order, and his usual turtle voice decided to snap back at Trump, saying that Trump is responsible for the violence and the chaos because of his rhetoric and because of Trump's lies. He encouraged the violence on Capitol Hill. So in essence, he supports the impeachment to some degree. Not saying how he would vote, though. Okay, you just dug yourself a permanent wedge And you disgraced yourself politically. I hope everyone in Kentucky votes against you, Mitch McConnell, because you, my friend, not my friend, are a disgrace to American politics. President Trump said nothing to encourage that violence. When he said at one point, first he said march and go up there peacefully, peacefully, you know, which is right in the Constitution peaceful free speech. And he said when they got there to make their voices known and get wild. Getting wild didn't mean running into the building illegally and vandalizing and getting people killed and causing a ruckus and stealing laptops and X Lacs and wooden dentures and who knows and who knows what else. No, that's not what Trump meant at all. He meant for them so they could hear them from the outside. Like protesters do, but do it peacefully. But make your voice known, which is what countless demonstrations do. But somehow Mitch McConnell, I don't know if how much he commented over the last seven months during the BLM and Antifa riots after George Floyd that went on for month after month after month. 70-some days in Portland in a row, by the way. Just to use one city. What about Minneapolis? What about New York City? What about Atlanta? What about Kenosha? Mitch, were you condemning it all then? Were you blaming Democrats? Were you blaming the squad for it? Oh, I I bet you didn't say much. Oh, but now when you can disassociate yourself from Trump, when it's convenient and have your wife quit a cabinet position, now you can do this? Give me a break, Mitch. Mitch, no, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. And you're causing a permanent wedge in division. You think conservatives and Trump supporters are going to want to vote Republican after this? No way. I mean, it's just, this underscores the split. And it's going to to have a ripple effect. But he wants to wash the establishment and those in the aristocratic Senate who rise above the fray want to wash themselves of Trump and his uncouth behavior. Trump is uncouth. Trump is difficult in terms of his personality. But you know what? At least the man has a soul and conviction in what he believes in. And he don't care who, whether he's liked or whether he's hated. He's like, like I heard the line in the Scrooge movie uh, about a month ago. Now (laughs) he goes, he goes, I don't care if they hate me too. Trump doesn't care, but most people care if they want to be liked. Washington is all about being liked, being accepted, being popular, being invited to the cocktail parties, being, you know, fronted by the lobbyist, you know, getting those precious interviews and having journalists smile and glean in your face, nodding affirmatively to everything you say, especially when you say things bad about Republicans or conservatives, you know, they're like panting dogs. They love it. But McConnell is such an establishment swamp creature. And it's not just him. He's probably just kind of the head of the snake there. You know, you have others that are there that are in the same way. And it's very disappointing to watch this happen. How are Republicans going to win a national election, even if they are united? That was my issue before. Now, now, you can forget it. If they're fractured, pff, it's like the death knell to the party on a national level. Oh, sure, they're going to still win the individual races in Oklahoma, Alabama, Utah—you know, hardcore conservative states. But and but we haven't won the popular vote in a presidential election since 2004. People say, "Paul, it's the Electoral College." You know that. You know better. And I say, "Yeah, I know better, and I know that." But my thing is, what about all these states that the liberals have camped out in and won by droves, such as California, New York, and they've been migrating over to other states, such as Texas, and in this case, Georgia? You'd say, well, there was fraud, and Trump really won that state, and blah, blah, blah. Maybe Loeffner and Purdue won it too, but maybe, or blah, blah, blah. I'd say to you, even if they've won it, I suspect it was close even with the fraud, why is a red state like Georgia this close? Why is Texas getting that close? You notice how close to Texas was to losing? Even two years ago, going back to 2018, November, Beto, Beto O'Rourke, surfer dude, almost beat Ted Cruz. Of course, they got a lot of liberal funding and money and all that, but I got to tell you, the money and the vote, it just, it was close. Cruz only won by like three or four percentage points. See, years ago, Texas, that would have been a blowout. Just like Georgia. Now Georgia, it's a competitive state. I mean, it's it's a real problem. So the point is they're infiltrating everywhere. So if you have a, a division within the Republican Party and people say, well, let's form the Patriot Party. You know, I say that's a good idea, but it's a bad idea. Because... Unless the Democrats fracture themselves, which I doubt they're going to do. I mean, they have a more liberal, radical wing. You know, the AOCs, the Omars, the Rashida Tlaibs of the world, and um, Ayanna Presley, so on and so forth. But then, you know, you have your moderates, and there are still a few, like Joe Manchin, dying breed of moderates. But they're mostly united at least with the Democrats, this is one of the main things. They, they kind of circle the wagons better than Republicans do. Republicans love to shoot their own. They love to go to the liberal media and just disavow them, disassociate themselves, castigate them, you know, just malign them, embarrass them. And these liberals are like, yeah, say more, say more. Aren't they horrible? Yeah. It's just what McConnell's doing, not only is it wrong, because it's just, It's, it's as if he, you know, he just wants to survive with go along to get along, you know, with the swamp creatures. It doesn't matter if they're from the left. I mean, it's shameful. Well, one of the other points I was going to make today, too, was about that Juan Williams of Fox News made a comment. And I wanted to just give a, a brief synopsis of this. He says, government can work. And I know that's a very broad general statement, right? I'm not saying in certain aspects there like there isn't truth in that when it comes to law enforcement and military. But the truth is, overall, in most governments' departments, whether it's the EPA, whether it's the post office, whether it's Department of Education, whether it's Department of Interior, whether it's you know, the Commerce Department, even, whether it's the Federal Reserve, whether it's Um, Department of Energy, even, you know, all these endless bureaucracies, you know, four and a half million government employees or more. Federal level alone, I'm talking about, you know, that's a philosophical core difference between what conservatism is. You know, it's like Reagan said in the 1981 address, government is the problem. Bill Clinton said government can do more. Juan Williams is kind of echoing that today in his comment on Fox News. He's a Fox News contributor. He follows me on Twitter, by the way. Um, I woke up one time, went on Twitter, and there he was. I'm like following me. I'm like, wow, how do you get my name? His son is a conservative, Rafi Williams. At any rate, that's the core difference between kind of Reagan versus Clinton or conservatism versus liberalism. And right there, people always say, what's the difference between a Republican and a Democrat? Well, a true conservative Republican, I said, say, or conservative in general, and even most Trump supporters, although they mix in some populism, um, government is is the problem. And liberals believe government can solve all this stuff. One of the problems is now is how do you compete with with liberalism? Because it's like Rush Limbaugh said it after 2012 election. How do you, it's hard to beat Santa Claus. Um, free, you know, Bernie is is the epitome of that, right? He's just more out in the open of it than say someone like Biden or some other mainstream Democrats, whatever that means. In regards to, like he'll say, f- free healthcare, you know, Medicare for all, um, amnesty for all the illegal immigrants. So you're talking 15, 20 million, really, or more. Then you're talking free healthcare. Oh, I caught that one. Free pre-K, free college, guaranteed basic income, GBI. Some states or municipalities out in the liberal west coast are already doing it. Give everybody a thousand bucks a month or more. Guaranteed income. Even proponents like Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, big-time liberal, is for it. How do you compete against that? Oh, student loans, canceled, gone. Conservatives say, well, you know, you have to work hard, have entrepreneurial spirit, you you know. There's no breaks in this life, no free lunches. Who wants to hear that anymore? Especially this younger generation, under the age of, say, 28. In public school system, who's been in woke theology, taught that LGBTQ, XYZ and A, B, C, D, E, F, G is all normal lifestyle. Transgenderism, you know, it's, it's really a problem to say the least. Major problems at the core of it. I mean, we got some structural problems in this country that I don't know if that can be solved. And I think it's by design now. So, I was thinking about Romans 1, verses 18 to 32, where it talks about, almost in some subtle way, a chronological decline. Start off in verse 18, it starts off with basic immorality. Then it goes to homosexuality, that eventually leads to more and more depravity and all host a catalog of different sins, including disobedient to parents. Then it finally gives them over to a debased mind and then hearty approval to what is wrong. Well, we're at the hearty approval stage. I mean, we've got transgenderism and pedophilia is right around the corner in this country. So it's a good scripture to read, though, and focus in on. I'd like to mention, too, that Representative James Clyburn, the Democrat who saved Joe Biden's campaign from possibly going into the ash heap, Yeah, it was. I was on the way out. It was in the ashes. um, But at that time, and everybody's thinking Bernie's going to take this, or some maybe like Elizabeth Warren. Biden was on his way out, and James Clyburn bailed him out. Now he's suggesting. I saw a news clip today that Biden ignore the roadblocks and use executive orders as much as possible. Ooh. Well, certainly going to give me a lot to talk about in the next two weeks, and most of it ain't going to be good. This right here is going to be like, I'm wondering if it's going to be some type of, in degree of a blitzkrieg of these things that are coming across the pike. And it'll just be like one lightning strike after another. And this is, none of it's going to be good. So I'll deal with that as they come along in more specific terms. But from what I'm hearing... It's we're going to start seeing changes right away. So, everybody put on their helmets, brace yourselves, be locked in prayer, and let's see how we withstand all this nonsense. Um, it's certainly going to be an interesting time. Um, I encourage people though not to disconnect. Um, I had a friend of mine reach out today who remained nameless. Um, he told me, he says, I'm not going to watch. I'm not, I'm not watching any more news. I've really stopped watching since November 3rd. I don't watch anything. He doesn't watch Newsmax. He doesn't watch Fox news, doesn't whatnot. He's a, he's a Trump supporter in a tacit way. And now he wants to totally disconnect. And there's a lot of people out there. I'm bringing them up, not because I'm trying to, you know, castigate him, make him feel bad or do whatnot, you know, this person or what I'm trying to do. Is saying there's a lot of people who want to, who have, or are thinking about reacting that way. Look, you don't have to do what I do, but give yourself 10 or 15 minutes just to get what the facts are. Be more consumed with the work of the Lord, with your Bible study, with prayer, with devotion to evangelism, whatever it is with your family, you know. But Pay attention in a tacit way to current events. I always tell people that because so you know what's going on. So you know how it's going to impact the church. Because it is coming, folks. And we're going to have to, you're going to need a warning bell for that. And I think it would serve a purpose just to be informed on that. So I don't think, I'm going to put it bluntly here, you know, putting your, burying your head in the sand and waiting for the rapture is not the answer. We have to still be active, not be a part of the world, but be active in the world for Christ. And I view what I do, yes, I'm talking about news, politics, current events, but I do it with a purpose in mind, try to blend in what's going on and how we should respond to it. I have my bias, but at the same time, to totally disconnect, I feel as though you don't want to be consumed by it. The two extremes are being consumed by it or not having any consumption. I think both extremes are obviously wrong. Now, most tent people who get into the news and politics on my end of it, you know, we have to worry about being it too much, becoming an idol. But at the same time, you don't want to like become Amish about it and just. Throw away your TV. I mean, you can if it causes you to sin, but in this case, gentleman's case, I think it was just, he just he's just tired of it all. I think after what happened, he realizes all the fraud, all the melee and all the nonsense, and he's just saying, okay, I'm going off the grid here. And there are days where I feel like that, but that's not the answer. I, I respectfully disagree with my friend on this, but I understand where he's coming from, though. I'm not upset with him. I'm not trying. I'm not thinking, I don't think he's sinning or anything like that. I just, I just don't believe that's the answer. I think people need to be engaged for knowledge sake. So, and it gives gospel opportunity based on what's going on. So that's my take on it. And inauguration tomorrow I will probably watch. I don't want to watch. I'll have to have a gallon, maybe two gallons of Pepto-Bismol. But I have have something to talk about for Thursday. So we'll see what's what on that. I really hope that I can just get through it. It's going to be different, though. Than on most other inaugurations, not just because you know you have a Democrat, but the fact that hardly anybody's going to be there, like a typical Biden rally anyway. But the DMZ, Biden and ten people surrounded by wall and barbed wire or something or fences, <laughs> It'd be something crazy looking. It, it'll just be totally abnormal. Usually, when you you know you look at inaugurations, whether it be you know Obama, Clinton, Bush, even Trump's in 2017, four years ago that. You know, you see a large sea of people, you know, but now because of, and I know they're saying because of COVID and I, I kind of get that. But, you know, I, I know if Trump was reelected, which he was, I think if he was, I think if they certified him as the winner, which they should have done, um, and he was having the inauguration starting his second term, uh, there would be a lot of people there, you know. I know people would say, oh, they're not protecting, not wearing masks. Ah." Speaking of which, the national mask mandate is coming. Oh, boy. Let's hope that Governor DeSantis here in Florida and other conservative states just ignore this as best they can because this is a ridiculous mandate. But we'll have to see how it all pans out. Um, Trump is leaving early tomorrow morning. Um, I hope to see him go off, you know, he gave his national farewell. It was, um, it was sad. Um, we're going to miss him. And it's a good 20 minute speech. And I miss him already. So we love you, President Trump and what you stood for. We don't like your personality. We know you're not a Christian, but we love the way you fought for our country and for what was right and the common good. You are a Romans 13 type of leader in the general, secular sense. And we thank you for it, President Trump, for protecting our liberty and our freedoms while we still got them. All right, everyone. This is... Is Paul Igabin, and we have spoken about politics and so much more. Thank you for tuning in.